This is Jesus talking. I came to bring fire to the earth and how I wish it were already kindled. I have a baptism with which to be baptised and what stress I am under until it is completed. Do you think I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided father against son, son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you immediately say it is going to rain. And so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be scorching heat. And it happens. You hypocrites. You know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and sky. But why do you not know how to interpret the present time? For the word of God in scripture. For the word of God among us. For the word of God within us. I came to bring fire to the earth. Now I wish it were already kindled. I have a baptism with which to be baptised. And what stress I am under until it is completed. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, rather division. Is Jesus Jesus having a bad day? He must have. It's easy to portray Jesus as Superman and untouched. Some of the early Renaissance painting have Jesus not actually touching on the ground, but just sort of floating above it as some sort of angelic being. He could have been having a bad day. Certainly, he's telling us he's under stress, something we understand. And he ought to be because he's continually, at this point in Luke's Gospel, clashing with the religious leaders. He's continually in trouble. Just a chapter before, they suggest that he's actually the devil incarnate. So he says he's bringing fire to the earth. So what kind of fire? Well, we know what kind of fire it's not. Because two chapters before, or three chapters before in Luke chapter 9, when the disciples get angry with a group of people who are not doing things the way they think they should be done, they suggest to Jesus, why don't we call down fire from heaven and consume them? The text says that Jesus rebukes them. So whatever fire Jesus is talking about, it's not a destructive burn them up clear the land kind of fire. It's more the kind of fire that you read quite a lot in the prophets. And if Jesus is anything, he's speaking as a kind of modern day, for the time, prophet. He uses similar kind of language. And they talk about fire as a cleansing and a refining fire. 
It's the kind that washes and cleanses things. Which is why he talks about baptism. And in the beginning, when Jesus is baptised, John says there's going to be somebody else coming. John the Baptist is baptising people and is about to baptise Jesus. says he will come, but he won't baptise with water. He will baptise with fire and the Spirit. And whereas John's baptism was a baptism of getting clean, it's almost as if John is saying, we need more than just washing. We need somehow to have the dross taken out and a deep refining going on. And only fire will do that. It's as if fire as a refining object gets to the true essence of something. What is the essence and the essential element of life? That's what it's about, I think. That's what the kind of fire Jesus is talking about bringing. Because remember also in Luke there's that incredible question that you could put this way. What does it profit a person? What is the point of having many things, many experiences, many accolades? What does it profit a person? If they have all of that and they lose total contact with the deep knowledge of who they are, they're abandoning who they are and they're at sea. What is the point of it all if you don't know who you are? your true sense, your essence or your nature? It's a devastating question. And a devastating question for those of us who have spent a lot of our lives earning money in order to get things that we need. We need those things. And the culture we live in requires a job in order to get money. We we know all of that. But it seems that it's so easy for somehow that to become who we are. And then when, as we age and it starts to get stripped away or when we're on our deathbed and we're not really thinking about another late night at the office or another new car or whatever else, what is the essence of the person? It's a devastating question. So the kind of fire that Jesus is talking about is this refining fire. And then he says, do you think that I've come to bring peace to the earth? Well, yes, actually we do. Because that's what you said. It says, it's what the what Zechariah's prophecy said, right at the beginning of the Gospel of Luke, where it says that someone will come to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death and peace. And then when the angels came to speak to the shepherds to give them the great news of the birth of Jesus, they said, peace on earth and goodwill to everyone. So yes, we do expect peace. So what's Jesus talking about when he says suddenly, because peace actually is a word that comes a lot in the Gospel of Luke, suddenly he's not on about peace. Well, what I think is obvious is that the peace Jesus is talking about is not the kind of peace that they were used to hearing about in their day. Everywhere you looked... Chiselled in the stone and the marble that the Romans built was the idea of often the words Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. The purpose of the Roman Empire was to bring peace to the earth. And sometimes the emperor was called the peacemaker. And they did make peace by victory first. You clear the place out, you declare victory. 
and then there's no more fighting. It's not the kind of peace that we want to have. There's a famous quote by Tacitus, the Roman historian who came not long after the life of Jesus and wrote about the emperors of Jesus' time. And the famous quote is, the Romans came and they made a desert and they called it a peace. They made a desert and they called it a peace. His most famous quote. Whatever kind of peace Jesus is on about, it's not that kind of peace. And so I think what he's saying is, I'm not coming to do the same thing that we've been told over and over again. If everybody stays quiet, it kind of looks peaceful. We have a royal commission into aged care at the moment because more and more people have the need to tell the truth about what's happening in the aged care services that they're in or that the people they love are in. And over and over again we're hearing stories of... I was frightened to speak out because if I did, my mother or father or my sister, whoever it was, would, might lose their place. And it's so hard to find somewhere. So it looks peaceful. There's nothing going on here. Everything's fine. Until you start probing. Or until you start getting a whistleblower telling the truth. And we're right in the middle of a debate in our country about whether or not whistleblowers are breaking the law and should be punished for that. We've got two people at the moment up before the federal court for whistleblowing on the the Australian government's illegal activities in their relationships with East Timor, bugging the East Timorese embassy and parliament in the negotiations over oil. Absolutely illegal on any basis. But who are we going after? The guys that broke the story. This is not the kind of peace Jesus is talking about. The... There's no, nobody's complaining, so it must be fine. What if no one's complaining because they're frightened to death? What if no one is stepping out in Jesus' time because they know they will be crunch, crushed under the heel of the Roman authorities? Jesus is talking about a peace that's linked back to the fire. It's talking about a, a, a deep peace, a kind of forensic peace. And he said it's the kind of peace that doesn't look, it's, it so doesn't look like the peace that you're expecting that I'm not coming to bring that peace. In fact, it's division that I'm coming to bring and it's going to be division at the heart of what it means to be a human being. It's a, a division in the bedrock of the culture. Now, we have to understand that in the ancient world, in the time of Jesus, The base unit of culture, the indivisible thing that makes the world work, was the family unit. Now for us it's the individual. So we want to have conversations about whether individuals should have the right to do all kinds of things. Does an individual have the right to end their own life when they reckon their suffering is too great to endure? And and who should decide whether their suffering is too great to endure? For us, the individual is, is the kind of key element, the base unit, the kind of indivisible bit. But for the Roman uh, world in which Jesus grew up, it was the family and um, what we call, what they call the paterfamilias, who was the, the head of the family, who was kind of like the law court, the religious priest, all wrapped up into one. The family was everything. So when Jesus says, I've come to bring a kind of division 
in the most basic unit of, of culture, for us, that just seems like a problem. It's, a, it's terrible when families fight. Or even worse, when they stop fighting and then don't talk for two decades. We know that's terrible. But in Jesus' time, that was the end of everything. It couldn't be conceived of a world that could survive like that. Whereas we find it in the individual. So when we know somebody who has a mental illness in which who they are as a person seems so divided that they can't function, we see that as the kind of almost the worst thing that could happen. I've had many friends and my own cousin who was six months older than me who <coughs> excuse me, died of, with, in terrible mental anguish with lots of mental illnesses that he couldn't, he couldn't trust himself because he heard voices inside his head that were telling him things that would be destructive to him and to other people around him. And sometimes he, he listened to them because they seemed the most real and sometimes he recognised that they were destructive voices and they weren't real but he could never figure out when, was, when he was being sane and when he wasn't. He, who he was was divided right down the middle. For us that's the heart of what it means to be in culture is to be a human being. And Jesus is saying that he's, going to, he's come to divide that. And I think what he's saying is the base, the, the, the claims of God, the claims that Jesus is making about God are going to divide us deeply within ourselves. Because we need to recognise that we are both extraordinary human beings with the capacity for love and self-sacrifice and gratitude. And we are extraordinary base creatures that are capable of destruction and evil and long-term resentment that can cripple us. And that's in the same person. And that's sometimes in the same week. We're both those things. And unless we recognise that deep, in a sense, that deep division within us, how can we be truly at peace? That's the fire that refines, I think, Jesus is talking about. If you face up to it, it's a terrible thing to face up to, your true nature of who you are. Some of us find it very easy to face up to the true nature of how horrible we are. I know people who can tell you the story of how stupid they have been that goes back years. They carry that with them like a bunch of lead weights in their pocket. They know that they know chapter and verse, they know dates. But they can't tell you anything about the extraordinary nature of who they are, the, the things that they love, the things that give them joy, the way they've been at, at, at peace and in love with other people. And, and you can also find people who will tell you all the wonderful things about life and how, everything, how is everything, oh, everything's fine. Never having the courage to see the darkness. That's the great thing about television and the internet and all of the things. We, you can avoid yourself all the time. Sometimes I go to a place and if there's no internet signal, I panic. Why? Am I, like, I'm not the President of the United States. It doesn't matter if no one can contact me for a half an hour or a, a day. But it might mean that I have to now just be with me. 
I can't check my social media feed. I can't read anything that's happened in the news in the world. I, I, I just have to be me. And sometimes that's the worst thing to be. It's just with me. And I think Jesus is saying we, we've got to get to this point of understanding these. Not understanding them, but, but exploring that nature of who we are. Anyway. Oh, I think he also is saying this at the very end. And there's lots of other things we could say about it. But that this is actually pretty obvious. And it's not hard to find. That's why he says about the weather. When you see rain clouds, you say there's going to be rain. Duh. Of course you do. Because, you know, when you see the wind coming from the south, or in our case, in, in the middle of summer, if we know there's a north wind coming, we know what it means. You know, it's not, it's not rocket science. It's going to be hot. And it's going to be dry. And it's going to be dusty. And Jesus is saying, look, these things are so obvious. Just pay attention and have courage. I think I better stop. There's lots of other things that I think are, are in there that could be teased out from this text. Um, let me just, one last thing. The fourth step of the 12-step program for Alcoholics Anonymous has been an extraordinary gift to millions of people with addictions and then developed into things like Narcotics Anonymous and others. The fourth step is make a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. That that's the thing to do. To have the courage for this kind of refining fire, this sense of a different kind of peace. To do that search a fearless a searching and fearless moral inventory and I think God is inviting us into that all the time and when we do we've got a different sense of what it means to be ourselves what it means to be human and it turns out we're deeply connected to each other because when you go home feeling despair for what hasn't happened or feeling dumb for what you've done or forgot to have done or when you go home feeling flat you're doing that alongside everybody else. We're all the same. There's a, a oneness which gives us a sense of, can give us a sense of empathy and compassion for each other. So that we can be alongside each other and recognise no matter where we came from, how much money we've got, what our plans are, the oneness that I think we're being called to as well. All right, I will stop. Amen.